Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier, Stephen Chicken here, joined by David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? Not too bad at all. How are you, Stephen? Yes, very good, thank you. Let's see if I can get through the entire hour or so without mentioning that I went to see Patrick Stewart yesterday. Um, We've had two games since we last recorded, a win and a loss. And the win is three points, it wasn't a great performance. The loss was a terrible performance, just all around. Um... Yeah, we'll start with the QPR game, 2-0. Blistering start, we're watching that for 15-20 minutes and going, this is brilliant. You know, they're playing on the front foot. They've scored with their first two shots, deservedly as well. Nothing lucky about it. Two really good moves. Keep this going, town. Get a third goal. Kill these off, because these are rubbish, QPR. And then, as Darren Moore put it, it was like they hit the pause button and they seemed to grow incredibly fearful at the prospect of lo- losing this 2-0 lost which, which uh, this 2-0 lead which of course almost meant that they they did they were very lucky to see out those three points in the end with QPR failing to capitalize on some set pieces it, there were worrying signs there that we pointed out but ultimately it was three points so at that point we were thinking right well fine they've got through it yeah i think it was i think it was a tactical thing that and I don't think it came from Darren Moore either because he was absolutely yeah. livid about it on the touchline because I spent a lot of time watching the game in that I think QPR got the instruction that they could turn that defence and get him behind. And I think Town went into their shells and they thought, well, the only thing we can do is just drop really deep to counteract that. And I think you can counteract it in different ways. And unfortunately, when you sit that deep, it then becomes much more difficult to get the ball into the areas that they had in the first 25 minutes that were really hurt in QPR, by the way. And they just stopped doing the things that they were doing really well. And it's it's um, it's a confidence slash bravery issue, isn't it? It's it's you go from absolutely flying and coasting, and a couple of those players at two 0 up for five minutes look to be really enjoying themselves. And I thought, you know, Delano Bergsog, there's a man who quite enjoys being two 0 up in a home game. But then, as I said, I think they just dropped so deep. And do you know what it reminded me of, Stephen? Watching watching England. Because that is exactly (laughs) what England did for years and years and years, which was going ahead in games like Brazil at the World Cup and various others, and then gradually, mentally, think they're getting in behind us, we've just got to drop deeper and deeper and deeper. And before you know it, you're sort of, you've got 10 men in your own half. You've got one man sort of fighting against three defenders as your out ball, which is is never, never going to work. And it just becomes what you had on Saturday, which is I, I think a better team would have got something out of that game. But at the same time, it's a small credit, but I thought for that first 20, 25 minutes, they were really good, really, really good, you know, and they were they were doing exactly what you do against QPR, which is you get right on the front foot and you, you go for them. You use the wide areas really well, which they did. But yeah... I think then it was just a bit of a mental mental collapse, really, more than anything. And Darren Moore was livid about it on the touchline, and he was trying to force them up, and he kept trying to tell them to get out. But, yeah, just 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 a mental thing, as you said, I think. Yeah, I, I think some important context for that is that last season they only went 2-0 up in the first half twice mm. and they ended up drawing both of them 2 all against West Brom and Blackburn. Because um, as much as livid, Darren Moore was just befuddled. He was completely bewildered as to why his team had, had mm. done that. Um, 
because uh, you could sense that you know town had got the third goal qpr would have just that they'd have been done you know they'd, they'd have known they weren't coming back from that and town just went the other way instead um i think obviously darren moore is used to having a side towards the top of the division who would go and and kill off a team from that position um and he was interested to to hear that that context for that town just haven't been at it in that way um i think weirdly i think the crowd as much as the fans didn't really know to react to to going 2-0 up because there was a period about 20 minutes in where uh, Mihal Helic just had the ball and was just looking for a pass um, on the edge of his own third and the fans were getting really restless. It's like, geez, lads, you you tune it up here, and and you couldn't hear a pin drop around the stadium. It was it was very odd. I think sort of people weren't weren't quite used to being in this scenario. But uh, I, I opted not to be too critical. There were obviously issues against QPR, particularly when it came to defending set pieces, particularly when it came to dropping too deep. But you sort of think, well, is it just this that they're not used to playing from this kind of winning position? Do we? Mm. And do we give them the benefit of the doubt because they have ultimately won the game, which is something that Town haven't done too much this season. So it was sort of, we didn't, you know, go mad with our, I didn't go mad with my praise and the conclusions or anything like that. And we highlighted these issues, but it was sort of, well, but they did win. So (laughs) yeah. And it's, I think it's different to go through a game and have six or seven shots as they did against Sheffield Wednesday when it's nil-nil and go through a game and have six or seven shots as they did against QPR when you've actually scored with your first two. Yeah. I think they're, they're, they're not the same thing. No. But but in the same way, by the way, that you can have 15 shots and run your XG up um, and, and end up winning on expected goals, as it were, um, only after you've gone three or four nil down which is what they did against Birmingham and Cardiff (laughs) Um, but you know there was sort of you sort of look at that QPR performance and you think well if they stick with the same sort of game plan and just do what they did for 15-20 minutes but do it for longer against Cardiff Mm. then they might get something out of that game and unfortunately (laughs) this time the early goal went against them and they absolutely collapsed but not for the first time this season yeah I, I before the game, I weirdly had a feeling they would get something. I I really fancied Town because um, I thought I thought mentally there would be a shift, and I thought I thought Darren Moore would be able to get them to concentrate on the twenty twenty five minutes they played well. And yeah, the early goal it was a bad goal to concede. Really and bad. There are lots of there was there was it was not it was a collective failure that goal really because there was a lack of engagement on the cross and then you know how long do you want to give somebody in the middle to to back back heel it strash side flick it whatever you want to call it and then I think the positioning of the defence was was wrong in general but you you've got to be a bit more resilient haven't you you've got a mm-hmm. you know it's a home game against Cardiff it's not you're not playing Leicester you haven't gone one nil down after two minutes against Leicester. It's against Cardiff. You you've you've kind of got to you know push your chests out and go right. Okay, pull our socks up. We've got ourselves into this. Let's get ourselves out of it as quickly as we can. But it just didn't feel like that at all, did it? It just felt like I mean that first half at times they were just 
they were just running through them at will, weren't they? Yeah. The the first goal, I said to you before kickoff, I just hope Yuta stays switched on. Yuta Nakihama yeah. stays switched on throughout this game because and it's not something since his injury, and we've mentioned it before, mm. that, that he does have a tendency to, he can switch off in games, and he'd done it against QPR for the, the header that Jimmy Dunn missed. Um, he'd let him go free. Um, so with that in mind, I said, I just hope Yuta switches on. And within 90 seconds, he's way too casual to let Bowler get onto that flick on yep. around the corner and then as you say they failed to stop the cross him and Headley both of them to be fair but mostly Nakayama was so casual trying to stop that cross there was no determination it was just sort of limply following back and then trail the foot out and go uh, and hope for the best it was rubbish Yeah. Um, but as you say no resilience whatsoever after they, they concede that goal no. you know you switch off and concede early fine it's happened before we've seen it but there is a repeated pattern for Huddersfield Town this season where, if you do, as you say, if you concede an early goal, you don't then have to concede another three. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's happened, weirdly, every time this season Town have conceded that early goal, they've gone on and been terrible and got battered. They did it against Plymouth on the opening day where, okay, most of the run have played Town with the team on top, but they created such stupid mistakes in that game that you wouldn't normally see out of them and got soundly beaten as a result. Against Norwich, they concede after 11 minutes and then, again, just collapse. They concede the next one six minutes later. And again, they'd been on top in that game for the first 10 minutes um, and then they concede and then the whole thing just completely folds, which is was Neil Warnock's comment after the game, you know, that they'd been great for 10 minutes, concede and then completely collapse. Um, Birmingham, three minutes in, Lee Nichols lets in a, a shot that he should save from distance and then Town are absolutely hopeless for the rest of the evening. Absolutely pathetic performance. And they lose 4-1. And and here it was the same thing. They, they concede after two minutes. And, and the, I think this is the worst of the four. You and I were debating whether this or Norwich was worse. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think that Norwich game, I think they just... I think they're very similar, actually, Steve, saying that. I think they, we're looking at two performances where Town have offered like next to nothing, really, when it actually matters. Because mm. we will talk a little bit about the second half. And some of the stats are, are slightly disingenuous. You know, I saw yes. only West Brom created more big chances than Town um, on the match day, etc. But, yeah, you know, it's Cardiff easy. Cardiff were 4-0 up. They're 4-0 <laughs> up, yeah. So, yeah. and, and um, it's also a worry that, you know, Cardiff might have been 4-0 up and switched on, but Town created those chances and still didn't score so much as a consolation goal. So, but I I think Norwich and, and Cardiff are on a par for me. You know, they're on a par. But, I mean, what a, what a horrible conversation to be having. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the worst of their dreadful performances? But this is the thing, is like, they've had those heavy defeats, but weirdly, the games where they haven't conceded early, they've been fine not necessarily good but the only other game that they've lost where they've not conceded early is Leicester Mm. so it's it's not just that they are conceding early and then getting battered but it's also they are only getting battered yeah and only really losing games other than against the team that's running away with the title Mm. um they are only losing the games where they're conceding early so it's it's it puts me in a weird position where it's like how how bad is this team um, or is it just this one glass jaw where you can put them on the ropes by, by getting an early strike? Somewhere in between, I suspect. <laughs> I kind of I kind of think that they, they've, they, they didn't play well, but they got their win on Saturday. And mm-hmm. it's, quite, it's quite a big thing to sort of get off your back as a new manager is to get that first home win. And then 
they've kind of, they've collapsed on Tuesday. There's no getting around it. There's a few things I want to say performance-wise, but what I find what I find kind of interesting with town managers when they come in is most of them seem to have this performance, this sort of level mm. of collapse where you need a te- a sort of team meeting where someone's going round and delivering a few home truths. You know, Warnock. We had it after with the commentary game, which Warnick was very bullish about later on in saying that he felt they should have won that. But Town were awful on the day, absolutely awful, and got hammered. And they were struggling at that point. Cowley, we had it with, what, was it the Blackburn game where it was, was it 5-2 off the top of my head, something like that? And they were just universally awful not long after he'd come in. Fotheringham had one. It's almost like they sort of, they need to, every time Town get a new manager, they need to have a couple of weeks where they're up and down, then a really bad performance. And then we can actually start to learn something about what's going to happen going forward. And it's a really frustrating habit to have, because like you say, at the moment... Very difficult team to analyse, really, because they they are doing some things better and some things well. You know, I would argue they're creating more chances and better chances. They're still not taking them. Well, why? Well, we know a big part of that is because they need a striker. That was their problem mm-hmm. in the summer. That's still their problem now. You know, we had... What was it at the start? It was Harrett and who else was up top? Harrett and Bergsorg, and then we had mm-hmm. Harrett and Hudlin. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not sure all three are really championship strikers at the moment that you would hang your hat on to any degree. So, again, you're like, okay, well, they are creating more, but they've still got the problem we know about. I felt they looked better when they switched to a four. Yeah. But that's because they finally had a right back they could put in there in Tom Edwards. But they were three nil down at half time, yeah. and they conceded another one. So it's like, do you do you take anything from that? Do you think you've learned anything from that? It, it is. It's just very. I, I just don't know. There's just a hell of a lot of unknowns at the moment with this town side. The one thing I do know is that all the things we said in the summer, I think, are still exactly true now, and they've got to address that in the January transfer window. I think, unfortunately, neither of us are particularly transfer people. You know, you you can fix things with with new players every transfer window as some people are but this time I do think they have got to bring some people in so Darren Moore's job is effectively take as many points as you can till we get to January then we can do some work on the squad and then it becomes a different challenge after that yeah and I think we've been saying that since September really because I think the club acknowledged that they they didn't get the work done in the transfer window that they wanted to. We've talked about before about the the reasons why that might have been, so we won't get into that again. Um, but I think they would hope that things would be that they might find themselves in a different landscape in January. Uh, I'm sure they're already working towards that end. Um, try to get people in for January. I, I sort of think there is a sense. I, I, I think particularly when it comes to judging the job that Darren Moore is doing, I think mm. I think there is. Uh, an understanding within the club that he's been handed quite a difficult hand in terms of inheriting a squad that does need those sidings but it it doesn't get him totally off the hook obviously you know I think he I'm not gonna I think unless things really do continue to be like they were against Cardiff and Birmingham because you say every manager has one of these games before they crack on but Darren Moore has now had two and let's not forget the Wednesday and QPR games in between neither I mean the Wednesday game was dreadful for both sides against the worst team in the division and the QPR game even though they won was not convincing so uh, but he's also had in there that brilliant um draw performance in a draw against Ipswich so uh, I 
as it sits here right now, I'm minded to to agree with you entirely and just say, look, he just needs to get through till to January. And uh, I think as long as the results are at or around, I, I always say I've I've been saying all season four points every three games because mm. that is enough to get you to sixty points over a season. But I think the shape of the squad now is such that I would probably say somewhere between three and four points <laughs> every three games would be okay. Which he's not far off. They're not far off that under Darren Moore, to be fair. You know, that they're on a point per game under him. Um, admittedly, having played two of, of that bottom three uh, and Coventry, who are 20th at the moment. I think there are things that he needs to, to sort out. I think the players don't. I sort of agree with, with Matt Glennon, um, maybe not quite as vociferously, but do agree that the forwards are pushing very far forward as if they were expecting long balls. But he's also seems to be instructing the the defenders to be try and build play from the back, and that sort of leads the midfield yeah. stuck in two minds. Um, which, to be fair, is a criticism that was pointed out to me after I'd written a conclusion. Someone pointed that out to me on on Wednesday, and I've gone back and looked at the footage, and it's like, oh yeah, they were right. Um, but um, and it's Darren Moore's job to sort that out. However, I don't. I know from having spoken to him that isn't an instruction. He's not saying. Yeah. You yeah. you lads go forward and you lads try and build it out. He does have a more cohesive idea in mind, but at the moment, as it stands, he's not been able to get that into his players yet. And we said before the international break, we were a bit sceptical about how how much of an impact he could have over that that two weeks. Um, and I think we're seeing that. But they need over time to to find how they're going to play. And I think he is learning as much as anyone how how he's going to go about it. Um, Unfortunately, this weekend's game is take the take the emotion out of it, which I know is easier said than done. But it's not a game you'd expect town to get anything out of in on paper going away. To a t- I know they've just lost on Wednesday, but they rested three of their best players as well, who are going to be back on Saturday. It's not a game you'd expect town to get anything out of. And then if we're talking about points tallies, having lost to Cardiff means well they need to win at least one of the the they need four points really against Watford and Hull, so they need to which feels like a bit of a, a tall order at the moment unfortunately uh despite Watford being rubbish and Hull having had their excellent home form broken recently yeah it's a it's a tough it's a tough assignment at the minute i i think there's a couple of factors i think one thing you have to remember a lot of these players have had Danny Schofield Mark Fotheringham Neil Warnock Neil Warnock again and now Darren Moore in two seasons and that's a lot of different ideas that's a lot of cognitive load and I think at the moment there's a lot of players in there who I think are in I wouldn't even call them bad habits but they're adjusting habits that have been trained into them by other people I think the other factor is the bloke who came before because the one thing that Neil Warnock thrives on is the power of ideas you know it's it's I don't necessarily buy into it or particularly agree with it, but it's that thing I kind of joke about. But, you know, you need to dive six foot headlong into a header to win a corner, you know, and all of that. I kind of want to see a bit more football than that. And I think you've kind of, they've kind of got to break the shackles a bit because I think the forwards were pushed high because that's where they've been training for months you know that's what they're kind of inclined to do I think at the moment the defense is feeling under pressure and as I said they mentally I think they dropped way too deep and if you drop too deep all you can really do is hit the ball long because all you can see in front of you is a sea of bodies and unfortunately panic sets in I think there's lots of factors I think the other factor is 
they need to to be brutally honest with you they need to be a little bit fitter i didn't i thought on tuesday i wasn't the only one i thought there were a few people that looked there were a couple of players that didn't look as sharp when i say fitter that doesn't mean running around for 90 minutes it's kind of mentally sharp you know match sharp match tune and yeah they've just kind of got to get going and the next three games are kind of the last three games you'd want after losing 4-0 at home to Cardiff aren't they that's the that's the problem and I do you know like you're not on social media much I'm not on social media that much but I do go on a bit and I do like to kind of take the temperature of the fans and I think after Saturday there was a lot of people were quite not not sort of happy with more but were absolutely fine Mm. it's only taken 90 minutes for that to kind of turn and there was a lot of people saying saying a lot of things that I just to be honest I just don't agree with because I think anyone you bought in would would have the same issues and I think if you bought Neil Warnock back I think then you've potentially got issues going forward and I'll leave it at that um but yeah it's just it's difficult it's a really difficult moment I think for the club at the minute I think if you could press fast forward and just get to January the 1st making sure you got your press Christmas presents on the way I think you know that's what everybody would want to do but it doesn't work like that and there is a world where they don't get any points from those three games and if they do if that does happen Rotherham are sort of right on their heels they could find themselves in the mm-hmm. bottom three and there's no escaping the fact that it then becomes Groundhog Day and it becomes the same season we saw last year yeah and the year before the year before that and the year before, the year before that. that yeah and <laughs> so three three of the last four years yeah and that the difference is this time though is that they've got a new ownership team mm-hmm. you know lots of new faces at the club and it's not just it's not, you know, the atmosphere can become it can become toxic far quicker, and they've got to try and avoid that. I think this is the thing. But but I do maintain there are there are some things you can point to that are positive. You know, you look at Jack Radonis' form and the way mm-hmm. he's playing at the moment. Look at some of the younger players that are getting minutes and they are showing. You know, Headley's got a long way to go, but he's also showing a lot of promise. You know, there are moments where you can see what people see in him. Diara, I think should have been on sooner to be honest with you on on Saturday and I think he yes. he helped enormously when he came on with relieving the pressure I think you know I'm not I'm not as as high on Kean Harris some but I think you can start to see his game changing he's starting to get a bit more game intelligence and starting to make slightly better runs and get in better positions so there are things that are happening but it's just all too slow at the minute <laughs> it's all too slow and it's it's quite difficult doing this podcast when I think we both feel like we're sort of saying things we've said before, aren't yeah. we? Well, this is why, and again, it's not that I'm taking a strong I will never criticise Darren Moore policy. My issue at the moment is I don't think I've seen any issues from this sort of Town townside in his six games in charge that we didn't also see under Neil Warnock in the, in the first seven games of the season. Um, because... I know he signed off with two wins and a draw, but that performance against Stoke, I thought they were. We both thought they were dreadful yeah, at the yeah. back defensively, um, yeah. and they've continued to be dreadful at the back defensively. They lost four 0 at home to Norwich under Warnock. Again, I'm not, and and you know we've seen again they were brilliant against Leicester um, under Warnock, just as they were brilliant against Ipswich under Darren Moore, but then followed those games up by playing absolute rubbish you know Um, whether immediately or or shortly thereafter so I don't think as I say I don't think I've seen any of the issues and that 
comes down once again, not to sound like a broken record, but they, they need more players. And I think there is an acknowledgement at the club that they need more players. As I say, they were saying after deadline day that they knew they needed more players. Kevin Nagel, when we spoke to him over the international break, said, we know that we have needs. Um, they've acknowledged that they didn't get that striker in. They've said that budget is still available. I think they do have a bit of this ownership, though, do have a bit of put your money where your mouth is, don't they? Because yes, I agree. Kevin Nagel is, has put himself out on Twitter and said, basically said he's willing to be like a Tom Wamsgams punishment sponge, you know, direct all of your ire at me, the uh, the sin cake eater, Kevin Nagel. But, uh, and I'm sure he has got some of that stick that he was asking for, but that stick is only going to go away if they do come out in January. And I'm not saying spend 15 million quid. No. But they need that transfer window they had a few years ago where they went and gone right we need a left back let's get the best left back in league one and sign harry toffolo um or we need an attacking midfielder let's go and get young emil smith rowe on loan from arsenal they need that that kind of of transfer window and get those players in quickly as well because they've got really two weeks if you say well we don't care about the fa cup because let's be honest who does other than a small handful of people they've got two weeks grace there to get those players in in January and we were just talking off air before we started and we need to see them hitting the ground running and making those 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 deals early but there's a lot of games to be played before then they've got 12 games before they get there you know another quarter of the season will have gone before they get there so uh, for all I'm saying I'm not attaching much blame to Darren Moore we also can't give him a huge amount of a grace period if he doesn't if we don't see an improvement in the results because a quarter of a season is a lot of a season <laughs> yeah it is it really is and like I, I still think you know like a striker makes a big difference mm-hmm. a fit Danny Ward makes a big difference a passing midfielder who's different to the options they've got at the moment and can just see a different kind of pass because you look at the runs that George uh, that Jack Radoni is making at the moment and you think if he had a Carol Iting and Aaron Moy picking him out as well that would make a huge difference and I still think there's a question mark over the right back I think Tom Edwards we've just not really seen enough of him because of the injury etc and you know he came on at half time he got absolutely skinned once but I thought he did okay after that and I thought mm-hmm. being skinned once for a player who's been out for a few weeks with injuries it is fine you know as a return that's fine don't worry but I think there's a question of, you know, like we need Ollie Turton to come back and be absolutely as good as he was before he went off and the kind of injuries he had, as we've seen with Yuta Nakayama, there's no abs- there's no guarantee of that. So there's a question mark there. But, I, I you know, you, like these problems are solvable. That's my kind of, that's my silver lining at the moment. Name of an excellent book, Steve. You might want to have a look it up on Amazon. Uh, Bobby Robson's Time in Charge of the England Team. It's an excellent read. Um, but my silver lining is these problems are quite fixable, okay? And I think being fixable, it does slightly put the pressure on them to go and fix them, doesn't it? That's what we're saying. Yeah. They have to, when things are as obvious as they are, then if you don't go and sort it, you need answers as to why not, don't you? Yeah, I, I think they need to seriously look at whether that three five two is is the best way for them to go. Um, it's too easy I to th- get in behind. It's too easy. Yeah, I think a four. Is. They need a four. I I think they. Yeah, I think. 
Yuta, I wouldn't be playing him at centre back. I think again, you say since his injury, but I think he did this this before his injury. I, I just, I, I think he switches off too much to play as a centre back. And it's interesting on even on Tuesday when he had an abs, I had him on two out of ten at half time, and I, he ended up earning himself a three because I thought actually after the break when he was playing as an out and out left back he was fine, didn't have an issue with. Him. I don't think he was brilliant, but he was fine. He got forward, he put some good crosses in. Um, so I would like to see him as a left back and I think you can play him and Edwards in a four I think the problem is if you take Nakayama out who do you put in I think Ruffles if he's fit again you can play the three and in fact the record when they've had Pearson, Hellick and Ruffles has actually been quite good defensively this season it's been easily the most convincing defensive back line they've had but in the absence of Josh Ruffles um, I think Lees has been good since he's come back but I think Pierce and Helic Lee's not blessed with pace. You're not solving the getting in behind issue, particularly there, are you? No, no. I, I think that's the problem. They need a four, and it's it's most definitely a four without Matty Pearson at right back. That's an absolute given. And it's. I think they've also, I know I say this a lot, but it's also about making it difficult for other sides as well because I think it's quite easy to set up against that 3-5-2 of Towns at this point because you kind of know what what each player is going to do in that role. So again, it's a difficult problem to solve immediately, but unfortunately they do kind of have to find a way to solve it immediately, don't they? Because they did start the season playing a four and that wasn't working, so they moved away from it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I it's, do feel like we're kind of. I, I'm exactly where you are in that. I can't. I, I haven't learned anything yet. I don't think I didn't, I didn't already know. <laughs> I th- I think the 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 benefit you would get from playing a four um, is. I think a, a three at the back, a three-five-two is tradition. And things have changed a bit in thirty years, but it's traditionally a, a counter-attacking um, strategy. I think if Town's big issue is they are getting the ball in defence and, and looking for those passes and not finding anyone, we'll take a defender out there then. And I know it's not straightforward because obviously, you know, if you're playing a three, then you're expecting you to either side to go out wide and your you wing backs to push forward. So, but I just think that, that you might be able to find some different angles there. You know, I, I mentioned that it didn't work at the start of the season on Daniel Warnock, but we've not seen Darren Moore start a back four yet. He's been a three, five, two every game. Um, other than having the variant, the slight variation of a three-four-one-two against mm. Sheffield Wednesday, so I just think with his different approach, the fact that he does want them to have more of the ball than Neil Warnock did, because pretty much every manager does, um, that it's maybe worth looking at again. Unfortunately, again, this Saturday's game is a difficult one to make a change in and try something completely new and hope to get any lessons out of it. Um, because because they're playing Leeds United away from home, which is a very tough game, and it's a, a very big ask for. It's almost if you try it in that game and it doesn't work, it have you sort of soured the the milk before you've even yeah you know yeah I don't, I, I just think we're not in a position to sort of we're talking about these problems we're not in a position to ask for patience or anything like that and we wouldn't anyway we're analysts but it's kind of where we are I think we've all just got to be patient at the moment because as you've eloquently described whatever you do there's an issue you mm-hmm. know however you do it there is a problem to solve and yeah I, I think that I think that Darren Moore I think when he's done his presses and when he's done his, his interviews he spoke very well and he spoke very realistically and I don't think you're going to get a sort of Mark Fotheringham type 
uh, press conference where you come away thinking a little bit mm, not sure about that. I think I think he knows where the issues are. I think he's realistic about what he can and what he can't solve. I think he's positive about the right things and I think he's questioning about the right things. But there is no denying that the next three games are each in their own way are massive. But at the same time, I think if they w- manage to win one and potentially win one well, then we all f- suddenly feel a lot better. I think at the moment we are all on the Huddersfield Town roller coaster again, where every game they lose, we feel miserable and everything's rubbish and they've got to sort everything out every time they win. They're going to be all right. They'll get through to January. They'll stay up. No issue. It does feel like we're exactly back on that uh, that particular roller coaster that we all love, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah absolutely adore it yeah i i don't know i i i i have already seen some criticism of darren moore that i think is yeah a, a bit premature N- maybe not unfair but but is pitched in such a way that i think it's um that i think it is a bit impremature if that makes sense like the crit what <laughs> what the actual criticism might be accurate but saying it so strongly and yeah is maybe a bit harsh i think on on him but hey there you go we always say fans don't sign up to be reasonable do they yeah no. always and and they have no obligation to be no they don't they don't and we've said it before we can remove the emotion a little bit as invested neutrals and we try to stay analytical it's that classic thing i do understand where people are coming from but we are trying to take more of a helicopter view because otherwise this podcast is is kind of not analysis anymore it's reaction and i think andy takes that chance is a very very good podcast and they give you the the perfect fan reaction really because they come at it from different angles and they do that job our job is slightly different it's not um you know we're not defending anyone here we're just trying to call it as we see it and what we're calling at the moment is that it's very difficult to see it but it's not all doom and gloom but you know we also acknowledge there are yeah there's a to-do list for Darren Moore that he has to start working his way through quickly and I I don't mind if the results aren't there for a couple of weeks but we see some progress as in you know we we find a defense that works and starts defending set pieces properly again as an example or we see a midfield that connects and actually starts to generate a bit of cover for the back and and support for whoever's up top or we see an attack that starts to fire a little bit but that's what we need to see really because I don't think it's realistic to say to sit here and say okay everything needs to improve immediately because football just doesn't work like that yeah and I think leading into that I'm playing down Town's chances against Leeds but I think there is again it's it's hard for me to to say this because I know there's it's such emotion involved in the local derby and people have to go into work on a Monday morning and see their lead supporting mates and all of this but I think there is a way for them to lose that game with yeah with their heads held high um as opposed to losing three you know I couldn't agree more with that I couldn't agree more with that yeah If, if you go and you take a few on the chin for once instead of collapsing then you come away and you feel a hell of a lot better but what they can't afford to do is concede in the first 10 minutes and then concede another three yeah yeah and there's serious questions to be asked if, if that does happen and you'd yeah. you'd hope they would be able to to stand up to it um a bit better and who you know who knows they might even get a result i think if they get a point at ellen road town fans would snatch your hand off for that now um mm. and <laughs> and you know if they manage to score first then who knows but yeah i'm i'm not expecting a particularly fun lunchtime. Uh, you can watch it on iFollow, by the way. I was slightly surprised to learn today. Uh, if you've not got a ticket, £10 on iFollow um, via the town website. But 
as I said, there are there have been some things that have been all right. Let's not completely lose sight of that, and let's hope. Let's be positive. I and say Leeds nil, Town three Saturday. Yeah, I'm not saying these players completely sort out their season, but I do think it makes a difference when you get. David Kasumu, Josh Ruffles, and Danny Ward back. Oh, who I, th- I, who I think are all close. For me, it's Danny Ward because at, at the moment the problem is the ball's going up front and it's not sticking, and they are creating chances. You know, Jack Rodoni missed three very presentable chances. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest in that Cardiff game, and you can add context as to when they came and all of that sort of thing. But you know, Wardy, if nothing else, he brings others into play in a way that. Harrod, Hudlin, Bergsog, they just don't they just don't do that. And you're exactly right. I think Kasumu suddenly makes the bench and the squad feel stronger. Yeah, and that's you it. know yeah. he, he can deputise in that right back and he, he looks he looked good. He he gives you another option. Ruffles was playing very, very well. He was. Um so again it gives you that option. But for me it's it's Danny Ward because I just don't think I think the drop off from Danny Ward to their next best striker at the moment is just too it's just too big. Just too yeah. big. Um but so yeah, so we shall see. We shall see. But we just we just don't want to do the same podcast for twelve weeks, <laughs> do we? <laughs> no. There's two players I want to talk about before we do finish, Dave. Yep. For different reasons. You you made a list of players who I think there's positives out of. I would add Sorba Thomas to that list. Yeah. Because I yeah. think if you take out the two games where he's played in the central positions, Birmingham and Sheffield Wednesday, he's been in pretty good form recently, mm-hmm. actually. Um, you know, he's had, he's had, if you count his the own goal assist, he's had five assists this season. Um, he's, I thought he was, him and Jack Rodoni against Cardiff. And I, I was really glad to see the fans agreed with me on this because I think I'm always interested to look at what the fans have given. And there's cert- always certain players who don't get quite what I thought they just and a couple of players who always get a little bit more than I think they deserved and Sorber is one of those players who always I think gets a bit less than I had him on and the fans had him rated best of anyone against Cardiff which I thought was correct him and Jack Rodoni I thought were the two who actually came out of that game with any credit whatsoever yeah. um, I thought he was good against QPR I thought he was good against Ipswich I thought he was good against Coventry um, he seems to be out of anyone enjoying life under Darren Moore and you mentioned Danny Ward there and we've had our criticisms of Danny Ward. We've there's been times where we defended Danny Ward. I'm interested to see Danny Ward playing with Silver Thomas in this form. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. And I think that I think the thing about Ward is that I I know the criticism straight away is that he doesn't score enough goals, and that's a town problem that he doesn't score enough goals. But you've got to look at all the other work he does, and I just don't think there's a there's a, a, an adequate replacement there. So when you get Josh Caroma, who I thought looked brighter when he came on, and again, we can add all the context about what the score was, but look brighter. If you get Danny Ward doing what Danny Ward does up front and you keep Sorber in this sort of form, then there are teams they're going to hurt. You know, there are teams, and, and I still think Town are probably going to beat most of the teams we expect them to, lose to most of the teams we expect them to, and kind of pick up enough points in between to, to be all right. But they do, there is no doubt, and they kind of need that triumvirate to, to start firing fairly quickly. I think, more than anything, Danny Ward, even if he's not scoring, 
he's the only player in that squad at the moment who can play as a lone striker. So yeah. we were talking about the, the different shapes that you can use, but I think he's almost locked into either three five two or maybe what he did second half the other night, which was four four two. Simply because he kind of with what he's got available, he has to play a front two at the moment, Darren Moore, um, until Ward's back. At which point, suddenly you can play a three again because you know that Danny Ward is going to do all that stuff off the ball and do the job of two strikers off the ball, basically. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I think that the other kind of frustrating thing is that Town, we've talked about this before, but Town either have Josh Caroma in form, Danny Ward in form, or Sorba Thomas in form. And it's about time we had a couple of these players together working in form, uh, you know, and hurting teams, because that's what they need to do. And uh, this is why we're not kind of, I think we're both not kind of at the point where I saw a lot of people saying, oh, I'm immediately going to lump on town to get relegated and all of this sort of stuff. And it's like, I just think that's a pretty wild reaction to that one game, really. If it becomes a pattern, then it will probably be our reaction to say they're in deep trouble here. But there are these things that make you question how 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 difficult a job it is at the moment because it is really really difficult really really difficult and you kind of go well who else could come in and improve from what Moore's doing and I think the problem is the default fans the, the default answer a lot of fans have got is well Neil Warnock would and I I don't I don't think that's the case I really don't think that's the case on a on a few different levels but yeah yeah but you know you're exactly right to point out point out that uh, that to be honest with you the other player I wanted to talk about quickly was Ben Wiles who I know is coming for a lot of criticism um I know um Matt Glennon particularly um mentioned him after the, the QPR game I don't think Ben Wiles has been good the past couple of games uh, he was left out against Sheffield Wednesday um we mentioned that tactical switch where he played Sorber at 10 it was Ben Wiles that was left out there um <sighs> Neil Warnock did allude a couple of times to Ben Wiles playing through, not being 100% fit. We know he was out pretty much all of the second half of last season with quite a serious injury. Um, he's also moved club for the first time in his career, um, having been at Rotherham's youth system um, and, and come all the way through to the first team. Um, again, I... <sighs> I'm not saying he's been good, but I and I can understand the impatience when the results are as they are. But are people being a bit prematurely critical of Ben Wiles? Do you think? Yeah, I do. And the thing is, I I I've been critical of him um, off the podcast. I was I was you know before the game, I was chatting to somebody in the press room, and I was sat next to you. And I, I at the moment, my problem is I don't know what he does well. I can see I can see lots of things he's trying to get involved in, but I can't tell you that Ben Wells really affects a game when he sits deeper and quarterbacks a bit, or he really affects a game when he pushes on and plays as that sort of proto ten role, or he's really good when he drifts out to the left and he's he's helping out on that side because at the moment he feels kind of a little bit ill defined and I'm not mm. not sure exactly what his role is. But I do think you have to like you've just said something there which I completely agree with, which is he's he's moved clubs for the first time in his life and these you know, footballers are humans. He's been so used to and so ingrained in doing things a certain way. And Rotherham don't burn through managers, you know, every six months. So their kind of style and their 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 playing way is kind of set in, if not stone, in in semi stone, semi permanent stone. So S- semi stone. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, 
it's quite a it's a big change and it's a big difference and he's clearly talented you know he's he's clearly a very talented footballer and there is a little bit of a riddle to solve there but i just think it's a case of trying to find out where you get the absolute best from him and as somebody pointed out to me if his job is to kind of just platform Jack Rodoni and let him play like he is at the minute then there is there is an argument to be made that that's absolutely fine by the way because Jack Rodoni is by far town's best player by a mile at the minute by an absolute mile you know you would you you can't even make the Lee Nichols argument at the minute because of the way mm-hmm. Nichols has started this season so there is that side but I just I kind of feel for Ben Wiles at the moment because he's kind of very he's drifting out of games and when a midfielder yes. drifts out of games it's a very obvious thing and it's a very easy kind of stick to beat them with but I think I don't think he's drifting out of games for any other reason other than they sort of they kind of don't know how to use him to get the best from him where you get the best kind of effect from him for me I think he needs to play higher I think he needs yeah. to to if if I'm honest from what I've seen of him and what I know of him from when he was at Rotherham and various other things I think he's far better he's not he's not a defensive midfielder you know he doesn't sit but yeah I, I it's another reason I think the 352 I think they probably need to have a look at it because I think yeah. there's a few players like Wiles at the moment that that system's just not getting anything from Steve really I think there's two things here I think one Darren Moore has not generally preferred to play a number 10 and then weirdly when yeah. he did do it he put Silver Thomas in there which you know I played devil's advocate on um, but um, he's not Neil Warwick was very definitely playing Ben Wilds as number 10 yeah and and Darren Moore has basically not played a number 10 at all and I think the issue there's two issues one as you say I think Wilds is less good dropping dropping back a bit I think two we know that at Rotherham they were just going over the midfield all the time so I think he's not used to particularly the positioning in that deeper lion role that box-to-box role is not natural to him because I think he's used to just push forward like you would from a 10 and just get into the final line and look to be the one who's getting onto a flick on but I think also as you've highlighted Jack Rodoni is in incredible form at the moment I think if you were to say on paper what what is Ben Wiles there for you would say well he's wants to he should be doing the same things that Jack Rodoni is doing but if you mm. if Jack Rodoni's there doing them you don't need another one it's Lampard Gerrard all over again um in a in a minor way but um and I think that the obvious solution is as as I say we'll play Wilds at a 10 but then you're asking Rodoni to play a deeper role and you're removing some of the things from his game that he has been doing well recently so mm. it is a tough one to solve um Particularly because Jonathan Hogg again has been generally excellent this season. He has, but I think with, I think with Hoggy, I think the problem is you kind of exactly know what Hoggy's going to do, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which he does really, really well. You know, he does really, really well. But he is at a point of his career where you're not. I'm not going to say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but at the same time, it's like if you know exactly what Hogg's going to do, we now know exactly what Jack Rodoni wants to do. It's kind of a case, okay, how does the third midfielder sit with this? What What is the mm-hmm. list of five things we want that midfielder to do? And how many of those things 
does Ben Wiles actually tick off? And I just wonder if uh, I just wonder if he's not quite right for that system. But there is a system that suddenly gets a lot more from him. I do I do keep wondering about a four two three one, Steve. I, yeah, I, I do because although it means leaving out a couple of players that we've talked about who are playing well, but I kind of I was looking at the bench it might give you as well, and it does kind of potentially give you some genuine options off the bench as well. Because I just the three one of the things I think with the three five two is it's quite difficult to change in game, you know, and just move players about to just change the shape if it's not working. Because you've got three centre backs on the pitch, yeah, exactly. And I do wonder if a four two three one where it's easier to change into a three five two if that's what you think you want to do in game or to adjust to a four three three or to adjust to something else. I do kind of wonder if that might be worth looking at. The other thing about a four-two-three-one is I sometimes think in the short term a four-two-three-one is quite a good system for when you just want to shore things up because we know yeah, how Town exactly. will play it, which is immediately Hoggle come in, split the centre backs. You've got a five. It makes you difficult to break down, and it means you can't just get inside and just turn them that easily so I do wonder if it might be a little short term fix as you try to work out what to do with people going forward but yeah the big criticism for no exactly I think the big criticism classically of the 4-2-3-1 is it's quite boring and quite stodgy yeah. and um, a very sort of Mourinho and Benitez but I think kind of that's what as you say kind of what town need at the moment yeah. um, so but again I think you can't really do it without Danny Ward um, so I don't know. As you say, this isn't our job, but I think I think Wiles right. does have something to offer. Do you know where? Do you know where I've seen even in these last couple of games, QBR and Cardiff, where I don't think he's played well. Wiles has had his moments going when he's drifted out wide when he's got the ball in advanced areas on the right hand side and he's been able to play those little one twos with Sorba Thomas. Um, they have actually got some good moves going um, through that. Do you know if I were being absolutely wild? Right. If I was absolutely rolling the dice and the pressure was off and you do what you wanted, I think with Danny Ward out, right now, genuinely, I might be quite tempted to try a four two three one with Wiles as your sort of ten, but perhaps slightly deeper than a normal ten and push push Jack Radoni up up top weirdly because I'm I don't think there's anybody else who goes anywhere near doing what he what Wardy does and that's the pro- where the where the squad is stretched. But wow. that would be wild. That would be out. <laughs> yeah. There. Yeah, that really is out there, mate. <laughs> well, Cardiff played without a striker. They had four wingers on the pitch, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, and set pieces, obviously. Oh. We'll mention again, because bloody hell, last two games they've been all there. I don't know what's happened. Two, I, goals, I genuine... two goals and not a player has jumped in the box. That's yeah. that's un, that's unacceptable. And, that's poor. Yeah, QPR should have scored more. Cardiff probably should have scored more. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, horrendous. I don't know what's happened there. But... Yeah, it, that, but I do wonder if that's like symptomatic of a change of coach. You know, if you've the the one thing we know Warnock was good at was he had a lot of stuff around set pieces, both defending and attacking. And you just wonder if new coaching team has come in, new ideas. There needs to be a little bit of time to sort of bed in because 
I mean, against QPR, I was I was nearly texting first half and said, if QPR get another free kick or another corner here, it's basically as good as a goal. <laughs> Which is yeah. just, it, it, that's a really poor position to be in. Yeah, they do have Simon Island in as a specific set piece coach now. Um, so yeah, so, so maybe it's know. a change of style. Maybe it's a yeah. change of approach, and they just genuinely need time on the pitch to for for it to happen going forward. That could well be it. But. Who knows? But it needs to stop anyway. Um, yeah. Right, and, and as you say, I think anything tactical or anything to do with marking doesn't really explain why players aren't <laughs> challenging for the ball properly. But yeah. there you go. Yeah. Um, right, Dave. What is your media recommendation? Uh, I'm slightly embarrassed to recommend this, but it is how I've spent <laughs> most of my time, as Steve knows. Which is, I've just been playing Mega Drive Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> If you if you have a PlayStation uh, in store, the uh, Mega Drive collection is I think four quid at the moment, and it gives you fifty odd games, including Streets of Rage two, which is just as good as you remember. Shinobi, eSwap, um, there's some re- Golden Axe. There's some great games in there, but I've just been playing Sonic one and Sonic two, but Sonic one mostly. And let me tell you, I'm brilliant at it. Are you really? It's also free if you've got a Switch. By the way, you can get the yes, uh... yes. Which I uh, do have a Switch, but I have been playing it on the PlayStation. I've recently discovered 100 Gex, the band 100 Gex, which are, who are all over the shop, um, but in all in good ways. Uh, so the album 10,000 Gex is mine. People will be, I'm, I'm way behind on this. This album came out in March. And, How do you spell and, Gex? G-E-C-S. G-E-C-S. Right. Yeah. I will try yeah. them. The, yeah. Brace yourself. Um, yeah. That's me. Right, that's us, Dave. Thanks for joining us. We've been talking for nearly two hours now, Dave, because we did about 45 minutes before we put the mics on. Yeah, but that was that was just pure gossip. That was just too hot <laughs> too hot for to, to air gossip. Not about Huddersfield Town. We're talking about all of our friends and family. <laughs> as always. As always. <laughs> Great stuff. Cheers, Dave. See you later. Bye.